Welcome to episode number 254 of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Ryan. I'm Jill. I'm Michael. And also with us just off camera, direct from Jitsi, is our glorious community of fact-checking, ego-busting mm -hmm. patrons. And on this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're going on a treasure hunt. It's back. <laughs> You know oh, how yeah. you know it's going to be a treasure hunt? Because I'm hosting. <laughs> so I always pick the treasure hunt for when I'm hosting because, you know, makes it so much nicer. And then, so we're going to go through Jill's computer museum. And this is the community's most absolute love segment. And it's back this week. Then we're going to discuss iconic open source software. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All of this coming up right now on Destination Linux. In the community feedback this week, Tim writes this to say, uh, actually, before we get to that, we did shorten this a little bit before, so because it was a, kind of a long email, but we have but we wanted to, to take the, the highlights and, uh, you know, highlight them. That's that's how that works. So it says, hello, DL gurus. I've been listening to you guys for uh, quite some time now. I love listening to your show. My Linux journey started in mid-2018. We talked about our Linux journeys in a previous episode, so we asked people in the community to send them uh, send theirs to us through email, and uh, Tim did just that. So he says, I was looking to install Windows on a computer and lost my license key for the copy I had. I searched free operating system on Google, and one of the results talked about Linux Mint. I went to the website and peered, like looked around, and I thought to myself, was this some kind of hacker ninja trick to get me to install a rogue OS on my machine? What is this Linux anyways? It took me a long time to even download this questionable software. To, to the more I researched, the more I learned about Linux and started to trust it. I wanted to learn more, and I was listening to podcasts at the time. And then he says he found the DLN podcast and ended up laughing so hard at the stool episode that he went back to listen to it again. And after that, he you're was welcome. hooked. Yes, Aww. you're welcome. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, there's an episode that we... Well, if you want to check out that episode, I made a short URL to commemorate the absurdity that is that episode. Just go to destinationlinux.org slash stools to check that out. Nice. Tim, Tim goes on to say, I've had a great interactions with Michael and Nate on the forums, and uh, I also think that the addition of Jill to the show was genius. All I can say is that you are all great, and I look forward to, to every show. Although I have been at this for three years now, I still consider myself a noob, and I will likely be a noob for the rest of my life by choice. But I have a wonderful time listening to all of, to you all and hearing your opinions about all the things Linux. Uh, keep up the great work and keep the shows coming. And I think this is just thank you very much for uh, such a great uh, comment and response. Like we we are very happy to have uh, people like you in our community, and uh, also we too think it was genius to add Jill to the show. <laughs> Yes, we, we all definitely believe that. Uh, the Aww. thing that's interesting about his Linux journey here that I wanted to cover is the lost license was the reason he went searching mm. for another operating system. One of the things I remember in the 30 days of Linux thing I was doing myself that now Linus ripped off <laughs> and got way more views than me on. Um, but anyways... <laughs> What I remember during that journey is it was so nice when I was reloading an OS not to be searching for registry keys. I used to have a file that I would keep of all of the keys that came with the physical software boxes. And then I also had a software file where I would list all of them out. And sometimes if I didn't mark them correctly, I'd already used that license for something else. But then you go into this open source world. And you don't have to do that anymore. And we kind of forget how much of an advantage it is, how much of a time saver it is to not sit there and have to do that. In addition, things mm -hmm. like Windows 10, sometimes I had to sit on this automated support line because it thought I used the license more than the number of times I was supposed to. So you'd sit on this line, then you'd manually type that huge code in on the oh, phone. Yeah. And then it would tell you or connect you to a representative to try to unlicense it against something. And yep. I don't have to do any of that with Linux. I just install my operating system and go. And then I go back and donate because that's what we should be doing with a lot of the software if you're capable of it. But that is an amazing story, I think, because it is one of the advantages we forget in the open source world of how amazing it is not to have to sit there and hunt for all of these registration licenses. Absolutely. Yeah, and not to mention, um, if you lose them, you often have to pay for them. <laughs> yeah, buy them again. again. <laughs> yeah. It's yep. a yes. great point. And, and it actually kind of, it's funny because you get so used to it 
that when you have all these different, all the different things that are about Linux that are awesome, like not having to worry about keys or when I had to try uh, windows for someone helping them like get to like, fix a, a bug or they got a virus. And then I actually like, what is this broken thing? Like, why do I have to deal with all this stuff? Absolutely. I do want to mention too, he gave a PS here to give a shout out to Joe Collins, who's a big enthusiast mm-hmm. and apparently is having some trouble on his channel with someone harassing him, dedoxing him, that type of stuff and thought he could use a pick-me-up. Um, so shout out to Joe Collins out there for sure. And sorry you're having to deal with whatever you're dealing with. We know mm-hmm. that problem all too well. We've had our own bad. harassers multiple times kind of sit there and dox us and try to do other things. It's just part of being, well, out there in the a public. So. And Joe Collins has a, a wonderful website. I've actually been subscribed to to him for years. So mm-hmm. and he does has really good Linux tips and and good videos on uh, first time for first time uh, Linux users. Mm-hmm. And also as uh, for those who are not aware, uh, it's easylinux.com and just a special greetings and salutations to Joe Collins. <laughs> well, Tim, thank you for this awesome email. We love hearing from our worldwide community. What we want you to do is get your official deal in mug, fill it with some coffee or bubbly. Bubbly's my drink of choice of course and we found yeah. out in a couple weeks ago that our cups hold any type of liquid it's really any amazing type. we so got an email from another any person type. part of the community to let us know that any kind of liquid hot or cold fits beautifully wow. in those mugs. wow i didn't even think about that hot or got cold water right now <laughs> oh my gosh it even holds water think yeah. about that michael right the, I mean, that's the, life the spice of life right yeah yes So you grab your favorite drink, you sit on your nearest stool. If you're an adult, you probably don't have a stool, so you can use a chair. If you're a child, then you grab your stool. Or if you prefer active sitting and you care about your health, then you check out the active sitting shirt on (laughs) dealinstore.com. Or you just send us your email at comments at destinationlinux.org. We want to join in uh, everybody in the discussions out there. And another way that we have for you to join in on discussions live, if you don't want to send an email, is to go to our discourse forums. And there, everyone from the community can post things. We even have job postings and stuff out there as well that we put out periodically. It's really, it's yours. It's the community. So you can go out there, talk about your things you love in Linux, talk about the show, anything you want. You could go to dealinforum.com to get connected there. Do you know what I was working on this week, Michael? What's that? Tor Bridges. So Tor came out (laughs) and they said that they needed more bridges that for whatever reason this year they were losing hundreds of bridges and of course all the security in tour is based on having as many people as possible contributing to this network that the traffic's bouncing across Mm -hmm. so i thought i want to learn more about docker so i'm going to set up some tour bridges on docker so i got one instance five dollar droplet on digital ocean and i set up multiple tour bridges using docker right there for five bucks, multiple bridges. And it's been absolutely fantastic and simple. Tor has fantastic instructions on Docker and DigitalOcean has a one-click Docker install setup that you can get started with right away. And that's why I love DigitalOcean because I can do cool things like that and help out open source projects that I love. And this episode, did you know this episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean? This one right here. And we're going to give you money so that you can go out there and do cool things like what I did. Now is the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud-native apps for way less money. With that platform, you can build, deploy, scale apps, static websites faster, easier than ever before using a simple, intuitive interface. And it is an amazingly beautiful interface. Simply point app platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository. Let it do all the heavy lifting, whether using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, Docker and container images. By running App Platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower than other projects. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure. As a Destination Linux listener and member of the DLN community, you can get started building your own world-changing app with their App Platform for free, and it gets even better. We're going to give you $100. So go to do.co slash DLN. You're going to get a $100 credit. You could go like I did and go help out Tor or build your own static websites or do one of thousands of projects that they have out there to learn more about Linux, learn more about open source with a free $100 credit. That's do.co slash DLN. And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. 
So we're in the holiday season and it's we're in the giving spirit as well. And we wanted to give our audience one of their favorite segments, and that is Jill's treasure hunt. So we gave Jill a interesting and maybe difficult task. So because we're in the Thanksgiving season, we asked her to find a piece of technology that fits that theme. So Jill, what do you have for us? Okay. Well, something fun is lurking in Jill's hardware museum. So <laughs> keeping with the theme of the holiday, I'm going to present you with some real turkeys. And we can all be thankful that these computing peripherals didn't catch on. Oh, wow. We're thankful for them not catching on, not yes. for yeah. them existing. Wow. <laughs> That's okay. some fun. <laughs> That's a nice twist, Jill. So the first thing I'm going to show you is this. This oh, that's is... a World of Warcraft MMO mouse, clearly. <laughs> no. This is the Satel mouse phone, a classic dial-up phone for your home office, <laughs> but in your computer mouse. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's a mouse that's also a phone, so I pick up my <laughs> yes. mouse and talk. <laughs> and it's a two-button PS2 ball mouse for for originally for Windows 98 or better, which it works on Linux, so it's better. (laughs) And it came out circa, you know, late 1990s. Actually, the date was not on the package. (laughs) So, and this mouse is actually really, really rare. And I haven't even found it on eBay in a long time. So So Jill, (laughs) tell me what possessed you to own this thing. Like, did you buy this when it came out? When it first came out is like, I love it. I want to talk on the phone. And not be able to use my computer at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and so, then also vice versa. <laughs> yes. So I had actually seen this in someone's house like years ago and always wanted one. So I grabbed it on eBay about 10 years ago. <laughs> I love I your it. passion for technology. Even <laughs> right? bad tech. This is, this is the equivalent of my love for terrible movies, Michael. She mm. loves terrible tech. I love terrible movies. Yeah. That, that, that seems right. Because that so is this definitely... One, I can show you a working demo. See, I turned it on, so it's in cell phone mode. All right. Or cell phone, excuse me. <laughs> Landline traditional phone mode. And you hear the busy signal. Barely. Barely yeah, audible, but just yes, barely. it's there. It's, it's, it is very quiet, actually. I think age has uh, not been Taking kind its toll. to it. Yeah. But you can hear the busy signal. And there is also a little interference from our local AM news radio station, KNX. And it's one of the largest stations in the United States, uh, power-wise. So it bleeds into our phones here. Interesting. So you can pick up radio on it. So it's a radio phone mouse. I I used to literally pick up the phone to hear the radio here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we nice. always had to put we always had to put the ferrite cores on our, our cables so that we didn't get the interference from KNX. That was a thing. So that's why it's not quite as loud as it should be. Very interesting mouth. Wow. <laughs> that is so unique. I never knew anything like that existed. <laughs> and what's cool is it works, it actually works really well as a mouse, has a nice weight. And is very actually well built. It's an excellent mouse, but maybe not not the best phone. <laughs> I, I love it. Cubicle Nate in our chat was like uh, doing the Star Trek impression of "Hello, computer" from the Star Trek movies. That that yes. does that. You know, you finally could talk. Well, not to yeah. your computer, but and well, else. that's the only complaint about this is you do have to use a headset to talk on it or or an external mic. So mm. so you can't you know hold it up to your face and do hello. Now, is that really your only complaint about that mouse, Jill? Yeah, actually, okay. it is. The only it has gotten a little quieter over the years, even though I have the volume cranked. <laughs> but it, it does function as a mouse and as a phone <laughs> pretty well. And the dial uh, pad is pretty good. So I have but, to ask wow. because yeah. this has a this has the rollerball in it. And so a yes. lot of the younger ones listening will have no idea probably what that even is. <laughs> if you're watching the video version, Jill's showing it, you can hold it. Now, Jill, like me, you transition from the rollerball to yes. the optical, optical and laser. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. miss the rollerball at all? Do you miss cleaning out Actually, all the hair and stuff that used to get into those? 
<laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because I'm so OCD and clean and neat. That never happened to me. I was always so careful. <laughs> yeah, me too, um, Jill. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. But at school with my students and, and doing their work, I was always cleaning their mice. <laughs> so yeah, I've been through that, like would clean 50 mice, you know, every semester. And, and that was a, a horrible job. <laughs> yeah, uh, that sounds horrible. All of the Doritos and everything else that other people's mice would pick up was disgusting. So I like the optical, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't a great technology at first. Like the rollerball, when the first kind yeah, of optical and laser came out, I was like, no, I want the rollerball. It's so much better still. And then there just was this point where the rollerball became completely obsolete. Yeah. Yeah. Anymore. Optical became yeah. so much better. And then we got laser mice. And speaking of hearing radio on your mouse, this is the FM2000 radio mouse. <laughs> of course. <laughs> By E-Tech Incorporated. Yes, there is an Why FM radio things? in this mouse. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. And this is a three-button three USB ball mouse for Windows 2000 or better, which works on Linux. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is the era where they're just throwing stuff at the wall. <laughs> they're like, just put everything in the mouse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I love this stuff, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful. None of it catch, you know, caught <laughs> on because it's so cumbersome to use, mm -hmm. <laughs> but this is the original packaging. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that packaging. They spent more on the packaging than thinking up the idea of what's yeah. a radio and a mouse. The yeah. packaging looks dope. I like it. So the on the box it state it states now you can download your favorite hits from your FM mouse into your MP3 player because the it, it actually included a proprietary FM radio tuner software for playback and recording for Windows and has plugins for Winamp. Well, that's um, pretty, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You could record the FM radio on your computer while it was playing through your mouse. Yes. Is that the idea of it? Oh, yeah. that's cool. It's that like a first idea. pirate tool. It was like, yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was no, nice no, no, no. not having it's to archiving, use archiving, right? Archiving. So <laughs> to record yeah, local radio it was, it was convenient to use MP3s. <laughs> oh, yeah. How else was I going to make my mixtape for my girlfriend? Yeah, get a little, you know, tape and then you record, you wait for the radio station to play your favorite song and then you record it. But I never had a mouse to do it for me. So yeah. It makes it way easier. <laughs> Yeah, and one thing I'm impressed is that actually this mouse is one of the best of the two I've shown you. Really nice uh, build quality. The the phone mouse did as well, but I like this. This one has three buttons. <laughs> yeah. And the, the cool thing about this mouse, I actually have it unplugged to show you, is that it's got an FM antenna you can hook to it. A little cumbersome, but <laughs> <laughs> look at all those wires! Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's got USB. You know, it's a USB mouse, and it, the, then here's your um, audio. Um, it's got that's awesome. The audio here, your your classic jack phone. Nice. It's a little cumbersome because of all the cables. But what's nice is the cable is really long, and it's far away from the mouse, and it's um, so it it actually when it plugs into the back of the computer, the cables are kind of dangling away. On the, on the computer, which is, you know, really smart. <laughs> so <laughs> this, this is pretty awesome. I love, I love this in the concept of that. This is retrospective and didn't catch on like yes. as a, as a novelty. Yeah. This is pretty awesome. It is actually, yeah, really, really, really cool. I mean, I've had, I, Oh God, you remember the years I, I, ha I still have an FM, uh, uh, PCI FM radio card in one of my computers. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So one of our patrons wanted to know if we could record an episode of DL on that mouse. So that would be like next yes, episode. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we'll record the whole thing on the mouse. <laughs> and uh, what is really cool about this, um, I was actually able to hear one radio station from it plugged into my sound card in Linux, but the drivers and software for it wouldn't work using Wine. So mm. I couldn't change the stations because it's proprietary Windows software. But I actually created a Windows 98 VM and had some success with it. It mm. was a little buggy, but I was able to change some of the channels <laughs> and, and do works. a recording. Yeah, it still works. And on Linux. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know that we'll add that to Linux credentials to praise out there, but at least it did work in Linux. Yeah. Yes. Another unique mouse in my collection. <laughs> or turkey, nice. as we like or to call Or turkey, them. yes. Turkey mice. Uh, I've, I've actually been using this to do the show today. 
is this is a a a mouse with internet phone for Windows 98 ME 2000 XP <laughs> and greater, meaning better Linux. <laughs> nice. So, so you got some VoIP. Yeah. Yes, you have some voice over IP. And this nice. uh, came out circa late 1990s. It's also actually very rare and collectible. I haven't been able to find it in a while on eBay. And it's got a mic um, on the top. So if you're talking to someone and they're like, hey, it sounds like your you're hand's covering, covering the mic. <laughs> yes. It literally is. Yeah. And yes, this one, honestly, it has a horrible mic with terrible sound quality. <laughs> and I, you know, I tested it in Audacity, Jitsi, and Discord. And it was very, of course, tin, uh, tinny, crackly, and and a bit mumbly because, yes, your hand does cover it when you're using it. So that makes sense. They could have so done the one... Apple thing and just said you're holding it wrong. You <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. Don't hold yeah. your mouse like that. And of, of the three my the three mice I I'm, I showed you, this one it's it's really light, feels cheap, and the buttons are mushy and clicky. So not near as mm. nice as the FM radio mouse or the phone mouse. <laughs> but I know which one it I'm works getting. on Linux, and I was able to use it in uh, Audacity, Jitsi, and Discord. <laughs> so, so we have to now decide which one do we want more. Ryan, <laughs> which one do we want to bring back? Oh my yeah. gosh, I don't know. I like the one with the FM radio in it with the antenna, the FM radio antenna. It does seem the most useful. Yeah. It's kind of like, how do you say you're a geek without saying you're a geek? And then you have all these wires running from your mouse up the walls and antenna yeah. and everything. Like to yeah. me, that that yep. just that's that is one. my favorite one too. See, but I have I have one more thing to show you in my collection, which isn't okay. vermin or mice related. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of these can. horrible things. This is a flexible pink roll-up keyboard by SPI Inc. Circa ah. late 1990s for Windows 98 and up. Remember these flexible silicon mm -hmm. plastic oh, membrane yes. keyboards? I think they everyone, still make them, actually. They do. And oh, everyone no. who had one <laughs> hated them including me. They are horrible to type on and with mushy keys. Have you ever and heard Jill say she never didn't heard like Jill something? say anything Man. really. Whoever invented this that is really how bad this keyboard bad. is. Yeah. This I, I I am serious. This is the worst one in my collection and I literally have hundreds of keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> for all my different computers. And this one is the worst. <laughs> it is pink though. That's it a good thing. Yes. And I have I had two of them. The other one I gave away. <laughs> but I kept this one in box in 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 its little uh tube because it was, you know, I have to have it for my collection. <laughs> yes. It's so bad. It's a novelty. Exactly. You know what's funny when she brought out the packaging, it looks so familiar to a product that's out right now called the Flexi Hose that you see on oh, TV. Oh, yeah. And I thought, I was like, why is she holding up a flexible hose for a technology <laughs> podcast? But it, the packaging looks exactly the same as that. Yeah, it's exactly the same. And as Michael and Reiner were, were saying, um, you know, the only good thing about that, them is that you can buy them in multiple pretty colors. Like I can get <laughs> one. And um, they roll up and are very portable. And actually, they are good for hazardous environments and can be used in water and in toxic work workplaces. So in the in a toxic workplace, this is ideal, you know, and lots of manufacturers made them and you can still buy them today, even at Walmart or Target. So that and, keyboard would um, help me deal with Michael. <laughs> Yeah. I was about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> toxic workplace, wow. get it? Yes. Get it? I was about to say the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Not about me though, no. but about and, me. And what's 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 cool today is they make Bluetooth ones and uh, uh, mm. computer wireless ones. And, A wireless one would uh, make sense because that way yeah. it can be more practical for working with Ryan toxic. in a toxic environment. Yeah. <laughs> toxic. <laughs> but I beg you, please do not buy these as presents for the holidays for your loved ones or friends as home desktop keyboards, unless you want to give them to give one as a practical joke or want them to not like you very Perfect. much. Perfect. I know what I'm getting, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. In, in conclusion, maybe I will send one to Ryan or Michael as a secret Santa <laughs> gift. L LOL. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Oh man, she trolled so, us back. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. So, well, these are some of the fun turkey computer products from my hardware museum, and I'm glad they didn't take off and they got stuffed. Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> there you go. Well, Jill, 
as always, I give you a an impossible task, and you come through with this amazing tech. I had no idea what you were going to bring, but totally in the Thanksgiving and holiday spirit there, uh, tech we don't want to exist anymore. Yes. But let's switch topics here to things we're thankful for, because this is the time of year where, you're, Michael, you're supposed to be thankful. You're supposed to look at people like me and say, oh, I'm so thankful Ryan's in my life. Yeah. All right, Jill. Okay, well, Jill's in your life. Yeah, yeah, Jill's yeah. in your life. So I want to talk about software that we're thankful for. In open source, there are so many great pieces of software that we get to enjoy, and we don't have to search for registration keys for 99% of all of that software out there. Uh, there are also times, though, when this open source software also sets the standard, meaning whether it's proprietary or open source, this is the software that absolutely sets the bar for the best software in its particular category. And what I want to learn from the host this week is what software you believe is iconic in open source. So it could be the one that sets the bar or just software that is so amazing, you couldn't live without it. And so for me, mm -hmm. Standard Notes is <laughs> that awesome. kind of software. Mm. I, I, <laughs> I searched and switched from Cherry Note to, I don't know, there's a hundred of them people were recommending. And in fact, in my 30 days of Linux, there was a video where I asked people like, what is the best note-taking app out there? And there were a bunch of recommendations and they were all good. And a lot of them got me through. I was addicted to OneNote. I used it at work. I used it for pretty much everything. Ideas, writing, all of that stuff. It got me away from that. And there are a lot of alternatives in the proprietary realm. You have things like Evernote and, and, and stuff like that. But I needed something with plugins. I needed something with image storage that could do spreadsheets that was encrypted and very secure. Had two-factor authentication that was cross-platform. I have Android. I have iOS. I have Linux. I have Windows. I need something that can work in any environment that I'm in. And Standard Notes checks every single one of those boxes. You want image storage? Done. You want backups? Done. You want spreadsheets done at great price. It's amazing price. It's cross-platform. The best privacy policy I think you can find in a note-taking app out there sort short of storing it just locally, I guess, in, in a uh, Vim file. It's just absolutely an amazing piece of software that I think, in my opinion, is an icon. It sets the standard regardless if it's proprietary or not. I think it's better than Evernote. It's better than OneNote. And everything I do is organized in standard notes. I mean, everything. Like... Every show that I write, all of that stuff is either um, backed up in standard notes or is written there to begin with. All of the research I do for my own videos, it's pretty much my entire brain is in standard notes. That to me is an iconic piece of software that I think people should check out. So you have like maybe four notes in your standard notes? Yeah, total four, <laughs> but they're really, really advanced notes. <laughs> well, you said your entire Aww. brain's in there. So I was like, just four notes, right? <laughs> yeah, got him. Yeah, anyway. Ryan and Michael, I have standard notes. I've been using them since the beginning when I started with Destination Linux for mm -hmm. uh, jotting down notes for the show. So nice, that's, uh, absolutely. It's I'm, useful for everything. Yeah, I've 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 actually kind of played a little bit with standard notes, but I really didn't give it a chance. So I guess you're kind of convincing me to <laughs> give it another look and try it out. I already have my own notes software, uh, but you're you're I'm tempted. I am tempted. Standard note sets the standard, Michael. Oh. Yeah. oh. Ah, see what I did there? Ah, that's now a, I got you I with the dad joke. I was happy it has bullets. I mean, that was, it's hard to find. Actually, most of the note taking apps don't have sophisticated, you know, bullets. And, and You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, sometimes it's the simple things like that. And what I love yeah. about the plugin system and standard notes is that however you like to do your notes, you like Vim, there's a plugin for that. If you like uh, Markdown, there's a plugin for that. If you want different yeah. themes, there's plugins for that. If you want to store images in your standard notes, there's plugins for that. Like it's, it's basically uh, as flexible as Linux itself, which is why I think it's one of the greatest note-taking apps out there. So, Michael, when you think of software that sets the standard or is an icon, what is it for you? Well, <laughs> the most important right now for me is it's got to be OBS. 
Mm-hmm. OBS is so awesome. I mean, it's open source software that allows you to do uh, live streaming, screen capture, uh, switching between multiple scenes, having different elements that you can, you know, do effects on. And like, so if you watch the video version, you can see we have the camera set up. And then we did the Jill's treasure hunt. I switched to a different scene and everything just kind of moved around on its own. Like that kind of thing is all done through OBS. Uh, OBS is a fantastic piece of software. It is relatively complicated when you first get started with it but you can you can use it in a simple approach as well but you can do so much that we uh, i've been using uh, obs for all of our shows and every episode of dl since we started you know doing the show together and i'm just a huge fan of obs and every single time they came up with a new release it is even better than it was before which is a example of a software that is you know, an iconic statement because they basically created a standard to the point where people were forking it to try to pretend to be OBS. That's how good. Oh, man, that was all over the news, wasn't it? (laughs) And the community bit back on that one, and that company changed its tune real quick, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, on Linus's latest video, which we're going to do once all those are done, we're going to do a full recap, but he did have some issues he ran into with the Linux version of OBS, which it's been so long since I've used OBS in Windows, I forgot there's differences that not everything that's in Windows is in the Linux version and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. But that hasn't held you back from doing all of your production stuff. Well, that's yeah, it hasn't held me back. There's there's things that you have to like. There are some differences there. There are things that you might have to do a plugin instead of like something built in. For example, uh, browser sources have not been available for Linux for a while, but there was a separate plugin for browser sources, so it did work. You just had to know that that was a thing. Uh, that's not that's no longer necessary. You can have them directly in it now. But and also there's a difference between the standard uh, uh, access of like a dev file and RPM file or OBS versus the snap or the flat pack. There are some things that are in the snaps that are not uh, instantly available in the other ones. So, for example, there are some plugins that are pre-installed in the snap so that there is some nuance there that makes it a little bit more complicated. So if he was having issues with that kind of thing, I get it. But uh, the OBS itself that is like n- the Linux version is like 95% the same as the Windows, but there are some things that it doesn't have. And However, it what it does have standard. is still amazing. Yeah. yeah, I was happy when they have a, they included virtual cams now. That mm-hmm. has been a lifesaver. Yep. That was <laughs> now, one of the things that What would you use virtual for cams yeah. for? What is that used for? I haven't played with that part. Well, um, that's so you can mix audio, uh, video sources Ooh. together, like, you know, uh, paste, uh, your video over um, gameplay and, uh, you know, send it to another. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. One of the cool (laughs) things is that, you know, there's like Pipewire actually makes this not even a problem anymore, but uh, people who are still using other uh, approaches to video capture, once you activate some capture of of a particular source, you can't use it anywhere else, you know? So when you activate it in Jitsi, you can't use it in OBS or vice versa. Whereas in this new virtual cam style, you can actually capture it in OBS and send that to Jitsi. So the uh, the the output of where your OBS is can be put into other places. But what makes it amazing mm-hmm. is that so can all of your scene switching. So all of your layers and stuff can go on top of it. And you can put that to anything else like Zoom or Jitsi or whatever and have all of the stuff that OBS offers thrown into that. So it just like it's not necessary to have that kind of functionality, but it's really cool that you can. Like, for example, you can send it to Discord, Ryan. And in Discord, when you're um, doing the live streaming, you don't have you don't have audio from the game you're streaming, only your voice. And this way you could put them both together. Very so, cool stuff. Yeah. Very cool. There's always new parts of OBS to go out and learn. And I use a very simplified version of Imagine that Michael is advanced as my um, decorating is for my OS. It's a very simplified very version of OBS for what I need. <laughs> Uh, but it's neat to know all those options are out there. I have to agree, OBS is iconic. Without OBS, I probably would have never stayed with Linux. Honestly, it was that important because at the time I was making video content and it was really the only service that was, I mean, simple screen recorder and stuff is fantastic software, but it's sure. not, you can't do any live streaming. You can't do, well, you could, but it would have been too complex, especially as a new person to go and figure out where's OBS it's just got it all kind of captured mm-hmm. there. I no. think it actually, and and I would say that it's even so important, it's so vital to for the show to be able to be made on Linux. To, in order to do all the fancy effects and all the switching and all the m- animations and stuff we're doing live. For you don't, for those who don't know, we're recording this show live 
on stream. You can watch it as we make it and all the different effects they were doing also live. And to do that, you need a live switching application. And OBS is really the only one that's viable on Linux. And if it didn't exist, we wouldn't even have that as an option, which is another reason why OBS is awesome. Well, you could also use it for classrooms, for churches, for other things All like whatever. Yeah, you don't have yeah. to just think, well, I, will, I wouldn't use that because I don't do, you know, game live game streaming or I don't do podcasting. Sure. But there are All many applications in which it could become useful. Jill, I'm curious in your mind, what is an iconic piece of software that you're thankful for? Oh, well, and speaking of Linux, because we're on Linux now, it's Linux, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so maybe that should have been the least <laughs> <one> we mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the most used operating system in the world created by the wonderful Linus Torvalds over 30 years ago in 1991. <laughs> yeah, nice. and, and, you know, Linux runs our infrastructure from the Internet cloud, AI server side, to the Internet of Things, our Raspberry Pis, mobile devices, our desktops, and beyond. And it is why we were all here today with our DLN family, keeping those penguins marching. I we feel like choosing so Linux, much. you cheated, Jill, because now you yeah. automatically <laughs> supersede all of ours. You totally cheated <laughs> picking that. Of Little course bit. it's Linux. <laughs> Although it is for it is necessary, and it's fortunate yes. she, she picked it because we, if we had not included it in the show, it would have been true. a... a, a a bad, uh, a bad time. It would have been a bad. Yeah. Time. <laughs> yeah. So, Joe, give me one more of your iconic pieces of software since you cheated on the first one. Oh, I cheated. Well, <laughs> speaking teasing. of no, of Linux, Git. Yes. So, you know, Linus Torvalds also created Git in 2005 for the development of the Linux kernel. You know, with other kernel developers contributing to its initial development. And you know, Git is Linux dis Linux's distributed version control system, and it's also used by most businesses in the tech industry, including Microsoft, Google, Twitter, GNOME, KDE, Canonical, to manage their code bases. And that's just to name a few. There are thousands of businesses that are using Git. Yep. And if it wasn't for Git and the developer social networks it created, such as GitHub and GitLab, millions of developers would not have a centralized place to manage and collaborate on products, both big and small. Mm -hmm. So it has literally changed the world. Git in many ways is used even more than honestly Linux. Cause I know a lot of people, a lot of people who don't use Linux, but just use Git in Linux to get something, oh, yeah. to get something done, but they don't necessarily use the Linux operating system for other things. I know what you're talking about. Good thing. Yeah. In, in companies I work for and partner with all of them use Git, even if they'd never heard of Linux before or use a Git like entity like yeah. GitHub, GitHub or GitLab or those type of things. In fact, there was an article that came out that basically said, if you're a programmer or a developer and you don't know Git, you're going to yeah. be left behind. So it's exactly. basically become a job requirement for many places to learn this. And one of the reasons why I really got in there to learn Git is in, I don't know at all of its features because yeah. it's amazing. It has amazing amount of features, but it is a very important thing to learn. And I love that you picked that because I think it's one of those things people don't think about but probably are using or utilizing or benefiting from in some form or fashion, whether you're getting yeah, stuff from absolutely. Git or, or <laughs> utilizing it to store your code base. Yeah. Michael, give me your second pick. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. I mean, we could do it in like a like a lightning round sort of stuff at yeah. the end. But the, the next thing I want to talk about is my favorite browser, and that is Firefox, because Firefox is a very important uh, application, and it has been for open source an iconic thing for a, mo almost two decades. I think I think some close to that. It's been around for a very long time as Firefox. It also was Phoenix and based on Next, Netscape and all that stuff too. But it's something that has been a, a very important facet of my workflow through so many years that it would be, uh, I'd be remiss if I hadn't mentioned it. For now, this Michael, I want to I want to mention something because we covered some issues with Firefox a few episodes back. And yes. some people thought we were really harsh on Firefox mm -hmm. for that. And mm -hmm. I want to be really clear with something. Um, I, I look at it as watching a friend about to fall into a hole, but they are completely focused on this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to head this direction. But you know there's mm -hmm. a big hole there that they're going to fall into if they keep going there. And that is what we were attempting to do, whether we were yeah. successful or not, with Firefox those few episodes back, is 
we saw Firefox going in a direction that if they continue in that direction, the project will never be what it is today. And so that's why we wanted to cover those important things with Firefox. But I too love this browser and I love some of the things that it's represented from privacy and security. And that's where I want their focus to continue to be for me to continue to love this uh, browser for the things that it is. But it's container tabs alone are second to none. Mm -hmm. There's nothing yep. else like it. And now you can sync your containers. So when you open Firefox on another machine, you've still got things going into containers. You don't have to recreate them every time. It's just a really good browser. And some of the features like that are the things that differentiate it, in my opinion, from other browsers out there and where Firefox should be focusing its attention. Absolutely. Yeah. Not to mention the theming and the extensions. Firefox is still king with extensions. There are still some extensions that aren't as good on the Google browsers. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. And, so, I, and it's a great point because I wanted to talk about like there, there's so many great things. And you mentioned the extensions and also the container tabs. That is an extension mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't even aware of. And I have a video on my channel talking about that particular thing and how it works because it is Ryan mentioned it. It's, the, it's one of the best things about it. It is the best thing about Firefox. Without having that in, uh, available, you don't really see how amazing Firefox is. And that's why we were talking about how, you know, Ryan mentioned that we, on a previous episode, uh, gave him a little bit of tough love kind of thing. And I think I like your, your, um, your comparison to how, like, how what we were talking about, what we were trying to do. And it reminded me of, like, those videos of people, like, you know, looking at their smartphone and just walking into a pole or something yes like it's uh, that kind of thing we're trying that's to make what i see mozilla doing sometimes and i'm yeah. like stop stop pay attention don't walk into the pool mozilla come come yeah. back here come back with us we want something <laughs> we love to succeed and yeah. prosper and give them tips on helping them to do so absolutely exactly yep. so ryan what is your second one Listen, this is not a cop-out, although it's going to sound like it because they sponsor this show, but I mean this with all sincerity. Bitwarden has changed the way I use computers entirely. Yeah. It's one of the first... Right. I First thing I install is Standard Notes. Second thing I install is Bitwarden. So I get the OS. Of course, you can't install that. But after that, so I guess it's second and third, but they, they're literally my priority. I've got to get Bitwarden up and running. I've got to get Standard Notes up and running. Bitwarden is on a whole nother level when it comes to password management from a trust standpoint that this company has built before they were ever a sponsor of this channel. I love this product. I was talking about this product. I love when I see, you know, posts out there on social media and things, people asking for password managers. Now you see Bitwarden being recommended out there. So it's starting to become mainstream. I think it is an iconic piece of software. I, I picked it because it's such a necessity for me to get going. Mm -hmm. I like to distro hop. I have certain computers that I'll change distros on. And like I said, that's that's my go-to. I got to get Bitwarden up and running because Bitwarden is my key to getting all my other stuff up and running, getting my passwords, getting logged in, getting my syncs working and things, but also the note-taking app and the relief it gives me. I have so many accounts with so many different passwords and things out there what if something happened to me and my family needed to get into all of this stuff? I could go if I had one of these local ones and try to print stuff and put it in a safe. But what if there's a fire and all of that? Well, Bitwarden has this family share link option so that if something happens, it will automatically, you could set someone up as your, I forget what the word emergency is. Emergency access you, is what they call Emergency it. access so that they could yeah. get into. So I could set my wife up and she can get into those accounts if something was happened. That's critical be able to get my bank accounts, everything else, because I have so Love much it. sophistication in my security with two-factor authentication and other things. And I can leave notes because there's a notes section in there for her in the case that she had to go in there of how to use the YubiKey to get into that account or anything else. So it's just such a fantastic piece of software. And in my opinion, it's iconic and it's open source. So I love it. And then for lightning round, OBS, Blender, Audacity are my other picks out there. Michael, your lightning round picks? Well, first of all, I just want to say Bitwarden also, again, love it. It changed my my experience like completely. I was using another password manager, and then I was like, oh, man, it would be so great if we could just have this, but it was open source. And then I found Bitwarden like, <gasps> amazing. And I've loved <laughs> it ever since. But yes, my lightning round would be uh, Caden Live, of course, uh, LibreOffice. Uh, WordPress and of course FFmpeg because I mean you need FFmpeg for the Caden Live part and it's it, it doesn't get a lot of love because it's it's the a core underlying library but it is equally as amazing 
it's so it's so fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and I choose VLC for that reason, or the Video Land client, um, mm-hmm. the multimedia player that plays all the things. And once again, FFmpeg is the back end of that. It's the back end of M Player. It's a, a back end of almost every audio and video multimedia application on Linux and on Windows. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people that's don't true. realize that. <laughs> yeah. It runs everything. Yeah. It runs I, I love that you picked VLC. <laughs> VLC yeah. is what the community voted on when we did our donation for our yeah, mega fest that we had. Mega we gave fest. the community an option to vote for different software uh, projects that they wanted us to donate to. VLC was picked. Uh, so lots of love out there for VLC. And they got a nice donation from our awesome community. So speaking of Bitwarden, this episode of Destination Linux <laughs> is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash DLN. Bitwarden is a password manager that Ryan talked about in the er, earlier in the, the thankful for, and we are so thankful for Bitwarden, not only because they're a sponsor, but also because they're making such amazing software, because it makes it possible to have a secured vault where you store all of your passwords, also automatically generate the passwords with an auto generator, and also automatically fill in passwords on login forms, so you don't have to do any of this stuff, and it works across m- many different types of devices, whether it's a web browser, whether it's a mobile app for Android or iOS, des- desktop applications, or even on the command line, you you can use Bitwarden to handle all of this on all these devices, and it seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices. So you know you're the only person with access to your data, except for if you want to give someone access, like in the case of the emergency access feature, you can do so with Bitwarden. So go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started. And did I mention you can get started for free? Well, you can, but I also think you want to check out their premium accounts because for less than a dollar per month, that's right, less than a dollar per month gets you access to two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, vault health reports, Bitwarden authenticators for temporary one-time passwords, priority customer service, and so much more. So go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started with your account. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring Destination Linux. So being a Linux enthusiast is awesome because it comes with a lot of perks. And one of these perks is being able to include your family on space missions. That's right, space missions. The Raspberry Pi Foundation has created a program that lets your kids send some simple code that they write into space. The project is called Astro Pi Mission Zero, where they will be sending two Raspberry Pi modules into space. The project is open to all young people to from up to the age of 19 from eligible countries, and it's designed for beginner coders. You simply sign up as a mentor and you let your that let you know, like your kids and you know nieces and nephews, things like that, to be able to create step by step, follow step by step instructions for writing their mission zero code online. Yeah. So this is something that I love because if you have kids and you want to get them mm-hmm. interested in space, unfortunately, you can't launch your kids into space which them being home for the holidays, you may want to. But this gets them involved (laughs) in space missions directly. So it gets them interested. This is the, uh, of course, um, International Space Station this rocket will be going to. There's two very specialized uh, Raspberry Pis that will be going into space. And they're writing code, I believe, for some moisture sensors for the Raspberry Pi in there. But on top of this, they can send encouraging messages to the astronauts, which is cool. And they can create some pixel art that will go along on the space mission as well. I think it's a really cool opportunity to uh, be able to get your kids interested in space and to be able to get your kids interested in coding. I don't think in this future generation that there will be many jobs where coding is not going to be a part of it in some form or fashion. Like It's just becoming such a big part of our lives. At least understanding the fundamentals of it will be critical for your child to kind of decide what they want to do in their career and things in the future. And this is just a great way, a fun way to get them started. And again, you don't have to have any coding experience. Unfortunately, the age cap is 19. So I have to go in there and pretend Michael's like my dad. And then <laughs> yeah. I'll say that I'm under 19 because I want to take part in this and want to write a module. Don't worry, son. I'll, I'll teach you some coding. Thank you. Great. <laughs> the, the other yeah. thing is it's limited to certain countries. It's it's the European yes. um, Space Administration. But you can still go through the process and, and have your students uh, use the website, build the code. They just won't go to space. So right. I'm There's hoping 19 in the future, countries, I think, or something. Yeah. And yeah. I'm hoping in the future they'll open it up to everyone. But right now here in the U.S., we can't. 
that could change, but there are other projects here in the United States that, that you can have your, your kids' code up in space, like to grow plants. There's one to grow plants that That's kids cool. here in the U.S. can do. Very cool. Also, yeah, uh, you... real quick from the chat, Angus says, instead of Hello World, they're writing code, it's Hello Space. Yes. Hello Space. Yeah, that will be the code out there. If you look <laughs> at this uh, pictures, we'll have a link in the show notes, but the case they have for the Raspberry Pi, NASA's got a pretty looking case i don't know if it's nasa that's doing this or, or who mm-hmm. made the case for it but man it looks awesome like i legit want to 3d print this thing out it's got yeah. this really brilliant screen on it it's got a camera module built in it just looks like it looks absolutely awesome and i just think it's a great way like jill said you don't maybe the kids you don't even have to tell them that i mean we tell them other things during the holidays that may not necessarily be um, real, right? So you could just tell them, yeah, yeah your code's going to space. And they get and a certificate, which is cool. Even if you don't, yeah. you know, have your code up in space, they still give you, send the kids certificate. Yeah. Participation is absolutely yeah. free and it's open <laughs> till March 18th, 2022. So just some fun things to get involved in. But even if they're not taking part in this, I really, Raspberry Pi has all kinds of things for teaching kids how to learn to code, usually Python based. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is what you see is what you get type coding where you're dragging and dropping instructions to control remote control cars and other things in there. It's just one of my favorite devices out there on the planet. And by the way, I think sets is an icon for hardware, you know, that out there is the Raspberry Pi for sure. And what you could do with it in open source. So it kind of fits uh, yeah, the theme I, yeah. our show. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> thankful for the Raspberry Pi because there's a lot of stuff yeah. that has been has happened thanks to the Raspberry Pi, including being able to create your own like appliances for all sorts of stuff. And then be, just getting people into coding and learning that, that they can mm-hmm. use Linux so easily with the Raspberry Pi. And they're the most used Linux computers in the world. They have the highest sales uh, in the world of actually any 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 computer. <laughs> when you can get a computer for $35, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This week we have a game that's made its way from the Xbox 360 to the Steam Store. And it has a really weird name, but lots of positive re- reviews. The game is called I Made a Game with Zombies in It. And the creator obviously <laughs> doesn't believe in a spell checker or had yeah. a little fun with Leet Speak. The crazy name actually worked and got the atten- uh, attention needed as the game was well-received on Xbox Box 360 when it came out and has over 300 very positive reviews already on Steam. And I know Ryan has played this game. <laughs> this <enjoyed> game, <laughs> I, when I saw the name of it, I was like, this has got to be a joke because it's like spelled I-M-A-E-D-A-G-A-M-3. You know, yes. it, it's just everything's all messed up in it. And so it got my attention, which is, I guess it worked what it they were doing here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I downloaded this game and played it. And it reminded me very much of Smash TV. If anybody mm-hmm. played that twin stick shooter in the arcades. Uh, back in the day. Now, my parents would never let me play it. So it means as soon as I got old enough to kind of rebel, that was Smash TV always sticks in my head because it was the first game of like secretly playing because it was too gory, which is kind of hilarious by today's standards because it was all pixelated garbage gore. Um, <laughs> so it reminds me of that. And of course, this game's gory as well uh, because you're, you know, shooting zombies and everything's coming at you and you're getting weapon power ups that uh, allow you to take out the different hordes. But Jill, my favorite part of this game has to be. The absolute ridiculous soundtrack, soundtrack. that, that <laughs> yeah. I love. It's like a bad movie, bad soundtrack that I adore. Yeah, and, and it even has the title of the game in the soundtrack. And for, for those of you that don't know, one of the developers and publishers is Ska Studios, who also created one of my favorite online multiplayer games, Charlie Murder, which has a very similar soundtrack. Hmm. And um, it's it's a fun, it has fun gameplay and runs on Linux as, as well. So this studio, we, you know, they give love to Linux. Very cool. And it's it's just, it is a really fun game. I, I played about 45 minutes of it. <laughs> Are you any good? Because I, I no. kind of got, yeah. It, yeah, for me, all, all the little characters are a little too small. <laughs> so well, when they started putting these in. walls that moved in, I don't know if you got oh, to that section where no, they start throwing no. in random walls. And that that just threw me. I was like, I was barely good enough to just kill the zombies, let alone 
deal with walls moving around, but it is a challenging game. It's fun. The soundtrack is crazy and it's a nice port in uh, that runs natively on Linux and something that I would love to yeah. play on Steam Deck. This is another game yeah, where twin stick, Steam, Steam Deck, Deck. <laughs> you're on the road, you just need a quick break game. I feel like this would be perfect for that. And I love what the, um, the developers did in their contact description. They wrote, warning, this game features blood and gore in the form of zombie slaying. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> That's really cool. The other cool thing is you can nominate I Made a Game with Zombies in it in the Steam Awards coming in December. So I don't definitely know I would put there. it for a Steam Award. I mean, it's good, <laughs> but I don't know I'd go award it. It's kind of like bad movie good. Well, you like, know what? We get, we got to see what other games are up up for nomination because sometimes yeah. there, there are a bunch of games up for mock nomination that I didn't really care for. And if they find yeah. the one that's on Linux, I vote for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, the cool thing like, about Steam Awards is that you can just nominate stuff if you want to, and and then the collective of the community of gamers on Steam are can all nominate, yeah. and then whatever gets the most nominations and that sort of stuff. Whereas the other game awards, well, they'll just give you something that is you've never heard of, and say like yeah. you know this is a great game that is so, it's so <laughs> amazing that the sponsor paid for us to tell you about it, you know <laughs> that kind of thing. It's like, yeah. But none of my nominated games ever make it to the big the big ending. Because they're looking more closer to AAA titles, mm -hmm. some indies, but yeah, it's more the popular titles as opposed to those wonderful little independents like this game. <laughs> right. Well, good luck. I made a game with zombies in it. We hope you win something in there. But for everybody else, it's just a fun game to go check out and play out there on Steam. So go check it Absolutely. out. Absolutely. This week's software spotlight, we're going to spotlight a really fun project that you can play with called Speaks. Speaks is a talking face. Anything you type with uh, will be spoken in a speech synthesizer, and you can change the different pitch, the rate, and that sort of stuff of the voice. You can also change the shape of the eyes and the mouth, and this is a great way to experiment with the speech synthesizer and, and learn to type and just you know mm -hmm. have fun making some really weird, funny face videos and that sort of stuff. And we have a demo to show you of what this looks like. You're welcome. Thanks, bro. Ryan. Uh, for those who... <laughs> Um, yeah, here you go. Here's the here's the video. Michael is confused whether he should sit or stand. I'm a robot, and even I know stools suck. You're welcome, people. Thanks, Ryan, for making that video. <laughs> Playing for... that video, I worked really hard on that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's beautiful, Ryan. Yeah, and Thank speaking you. of speaks or speak. So Speak is the program actually in Sugar that I use for my demo on my the one laptop per child XO laptop on Jill's treasure hunt on Destination Linux episode 241. And that's where I have it programmed to say happy 30th birthday, Linux. This is your Michael AI. <laughs> <laughs> yep, nice. And in my case, I made it on a Ryzen with uh, eight cores, 16 threads to produce that amazing <laughs> video that you've seen there. But this, again, to me, when you talk about getting kids involved in technology, uh, kind of STEM-related stuff, this is a cool program I think that they would have fun with, depending on the age of your kids, uh, to kind of see this. And then you could take them to the next steps of writing something like this, because it's surprisingly becoming easier and easier to do this type of stuff in code. And so I think it's a great stepping stone to get your kids excited about programs and things out there on Linux and open source. Absolutely. It is a very Wonderful. cool application, even if it was so used cute. to make that thing <laughs> yeah. to troll you. yeah to troll me <laughs> all right so something a little more serious is in our tip and trick of the week we're going to talk about a bunch of commands that start with ls what i want you to do if you're not driving and you're near a computer i mean all linux folks are always near a computer because we bring them everywhere so how in do i reword way, this yeah. <laughs> if you are stopped and not moving forward in a vehicle and near a computer, open up your computer and you could type these commands along. I wanna go through these commands because I see them asked so much when people are trying to set up different hardware, wanna know if it's being initiated, when they're plugging in USB devices to know if they're there being initiated. Mm -hmm. I see this in so many forums helping people. So I figured let's just go through them on the show. And if you have your terminal open, you can type them. It's not gonna race or damage anything, I promise. <laughs> no, it really won't damage anything. Just go ahead and type these commands in and you'll be able to see some of this stuff. So the first command, type in lsblk. BLK is kind of for block. So lsblock, think about it that way, but it's just lsblk. It's going to list information about all 
available specified block devices. Another name for block device would be like a storage device. So if you want to know all the storage devices and disks on your machine, you can type in LSBLK. Of course, you can man any of these commands as well and learn their switches because that's going to make them more advanced. It's going to give you a lot more options of things that you can do with these commands. Uh, but this is just to get you kicked off. The next one is LSUSB. And this is going to list all your USB devices that are connected to your PC. So if you plugged in a USB device, you want to know, is it something that Linux is actually detecting? LSUSB would be a great command for that. LSOF, this is going to list all of your opened files that you have on your machine at that time. And then LSPCI cool. is going to list all your PCI devices. Michael, for instance, was messing with a new Blackmagic Intensity Pro 4K card and didn't know if it was being detected or not. LSPCI, because it's directly plugged into the PCI slot, would have listed that and let them know that it's at least there. And then his next step would be to install a driver thing. So these are really important commands, LSBLK, LSUSB, LSOF, and LSPCI to kind of help you know what's going on with your machine for you to practice and learn. Definitely. Well, Ryan, I actually used LSUSB uh, to test my mice because I had two USB mice just to, to make sure they were being detected because nice. they're very unique. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. So if you go and buy that new FM mouse yes. or the phone <laughs> mouse and you want to know if they're being detected in Linux, there you go. You could use the yeah. command LSUSB. Absolutely. These are, these are great tips. Just real quick, when Ryan made a joke about it's not going to mess up your, your system, it's just listing things. So yeah, it's not going to do anything thing that's mess that's going to mess up anything uh, but you, yeah. you'll find also a list of all of the things we just talked about in the show notes so now let's talk about some linux events going on so starting okay. at 9 a.m eastern december 13th this is a very important date go mark december 13th on your calendar right now because it's going to happen from december 13th at 9 a.m all the way this event until december 14th at 9 a.m. So you've got a whole 24 hours of content coming from our very own Matt from Deal and Extend and GameSphere. He's going to be doing a 24-hour charity stream. So this is going to be raising money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Matt's going to be there gaming. You're going to see a bunch of us hosts popping in and mm -hmm. out randomly showing Matt how to game because unfortunately he's never gamed before. <laughs> Um, so, or he does run games fear. So maybe he has gamed a little bit, but we're going to show, little. yeah, we're, sure we're just going to make sure Slightly. we're going to be there to make sure that's yeah. <laughs> some games there. And so you can head to our discourse forums where you can get more information, go there, encourage Matt. I don't know if you have ever tried to do a 24 hour stream before, but I tried to hang out with Zeb back when he did it. And let me tell you mm -hmm. something. It's brutal. It's brutal. Staying mm -hmm. up 24 hours straight. I've done it for server outages. I've gone as long as near 48 hours. And it gets absolutely like your body starts just kind of shutting down in this weird way. And then you hit these walls and then you get through the wall and suddenly you have energy again. It's not fun. But he's doing this for the community, for you and for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So December 13th, consider supporting Matt out there and uh, mark it on your calendars to watch that event. Another Linux event you can check out is the Ohio Linux Fest Conference, and that's running December 3rd and 4th. And they are welcoming all open source software professionals, enthusiasts, and anyone interested in learning more about free and open source software. It's back. So again, you can register by Monday, November 29th. So you need to register the day you're hearing this episode here to take part in this hybrid conference at the Hyatt Regency in Columbus, Ohio. So go check that one out, something to check out. And then we have the Scale CFP, which is open for a few more days for those who might be going to Pasadena in March. CFP closes on the 30th. It's in person. In previous years, Scale has had live broadcasts, so they'll probably yeah. have live <laughs> broadcasts here again. But Scale is one of the big, big conferences for Linux mm -hmm. out there. And Jill, will you be attending mm -hmm. Scale this oh, year? Oh, yes. I am there every year running the Linux Chicks of Los Angeles booth and often doing interviews for the different podcasts. And Michael may be coming down. Maybe. Give him a good time. <laughs> we shall see. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping what? so. I'm hoping so. Exactly. <laughs> hoping so. Michael uh, leaves the house. It's rare, but it happens. Well, and yeah. it might happen this time. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a uh, scale is the largest uh, community uh, Linux event in in the country, actually in the world. It's the largest community. 
paste one. Very cool. <laughs> well, Michael, we're going to have to arm you with some stickers and stuff like that that you could hand out if you go there in person so that we get some oh, swag yeah. out there. I mean, I know people are dying to get their hands on this Arch Linux hat. And anyways, a big thank you to we each and every... We almost went an entire show without mentioning Arch. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, Arch. Oh, I'm almost. sorry. Uh, by the way, I use Arch. Uh, oh, but we're okay, closing yeah, now, yeah. so quit interrupting, Michael. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. And whatever distro you run... We love your faces. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern live at DLNlive.com. The best part, everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each and every week. And we can't wait to see you in the chat. We also have our glorious patrons, which get perks like unedited versions of the show. And they get to hang out with us in a patron post show in our 60,000 square foot digital stadium immediately following the show. They get that patron after show. And guess what? They're listening right now through this piped in thing that I don't know how it really works, <laughs> mix minus, but I got it to work. So that that's alone, that's my love for them. Because how many <laughs> weeks have I spent working on this, Michael? <clears throat> many, many weeks. Late nights, all <laughs> kinds of things. A lot of patrons pitching in to help, but we got the thing working. I don't know how, but it worked. We even did it's it like, a couple of nights this week and we had the patrons come and help us test it out. And we, yes. we solved it. I, we, I don't know how, but... Uh, Ryan Salt. And we got some video now. They don't just have audio, exactly. they have video too. I, Even I mean, becoming a patron, it's never been better time to be a patron. That's exactly. what I say. Oh. Yeah. And that was so wonderful of, of Michael to do the Thanksgiving uh, Day special with the patrons. Yeah, we did I, we had a Thanksgiving yeah. hangout. It was a uh, Thanks Patrons Giving or something. Yes. <laughs> I forgot what I named it. Something like that. Very cool. <laughs> And also, we have the DLN store. You can go to check out the DLNstore.com. You can pick up some swag. We have T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, backpacks, aprons, all sorts of cool stuff at DLNstore.com. You can check out. There's so much that you can get your hands on. They, you know, get some merch and swag to rep the, the Destination Linux network. And make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on the Destination Linux Network. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, DLNX10, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and the Fedora Podcasts. So everyone head to destinationlinux.network and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source to keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Rumor is, Michael, there's another show that people probably have heard of and know that's coming to the Destination Linux Network mm -hmm. soon, but there I can't is. reveal that here. Yeah. Ooh, nice teaser coming. right there. Yeah. Nice teaser. Yeah. There, there's some big Keep names watching. that I think you're going to be really interested <laughs> in coming to our family here real soon, so mm -hmm. be on the lookout for that. But until then, everybody have a great week, and remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Ooh. See you next week. Oh, good job, Michael. You nailed it. <laughs> this is this is my sigh of. I about. thought you were okay. impersonating Steam. I thought you were doing like a. Uh, <laughs> what do they call that? Charades. I was going to be like Steam, Steam Deck, Steam Deck, Ste Steam, Steam Valve. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Welcome to episode number two hundred and fifty-four of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo. This is the podcast for you. My name is Reich. Did you just mess up your own name? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. You were going to say, my name is Michael. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Let's try this again. What just happened there? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was some merge of like Michael and Ryan together or Michael. Yeah. You said Reichel. Like, yeah. Reichel. Reichel. <laughs> I don't even know who I am anymore. Who am I? <laughs> well, we got an outtake, outtake. for this episode. <laughs> yeah, bitch, JD, we no, do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No outtakes. <laughs> yeah, I think only, so. Only for you. I think we have only to. <laughs> Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All of this coming up right now on Destination Linux. I wish I was ready for that switch transition. I was not. Wow, Michael. Really? That's okay, Michael. Jill, do not encourage him. <laughs> He's got a lot on his plate right now. <laughs>So I think I might even leave that outtake of me messing it up and Jill saying it's okay and you saying don't encourage him. I might even leave that in. <laughs>